Hey, sorry if you're from Butte. My name's Chris, by the way. It's good to see you guys this morning. I was just in that canoe, so I thought I'd come hang out. Uh, well, hey, uh, let, me, let me just say it's a privilege to be here. And uh, also, you guys have picked a wonderful weekend to join us because we are kicking off a series for the whole summer that we're calling Stuff Nobody Says, The Surprising Sayings of Jesus. And the premise will be that each, each week we'll look at a couple surprising sayings from Jesus. You know, the kinds that make you go, what? Nobody says that. Right? Nobody says that. That's what we're going to look at. And then hopefully as we, as we walk through those sayings, we'll then be able to walk out of here with some sort of application, with some sort of action on our hearts. And so I'm excited about where that's going to take us this summer. Uh, we're going to have funny videos each week and kind of, kind of make some fun around being at church too. So we'll, we'll do that as well. Uh, as we embark on this journey though, uh, kicking it off this weekend, I was just I was thinking about how, how important it is that, that we actually pray and that we actually believe that the Holy Spirit will come to this place and it'll start, he'll start to move on our behalf and he'll start to move in our lives. And so before we really dive in with any of that, I just wanted to pray that, that he would join us this morning. So let's pray together. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that, that you would just move in our hearts and move in our lives today. Uh, we, we pray that you would... Just remove any obstacles that, that might be keeping us from hearing from you. Maybe, maybe something we've been carrying with us through this week. God, would you just wipe that away? Would you open up our hearts? Would you soften our hearts? I, I pray that we would give you access to our life, God. Uh, do what only you can do. We do this all for your glory. Uh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, again, let me just say, I am so glad to be with you guys this morning, Uh, and I truly believe that we're all in this room, at this place, at this time for a reason. I believe that God has something just for you this morning, and that when we give him access to our life, he will begin to accomplish infinitely more in our lives than we could ever ask or imagine, and I believe that he will do that this morning. Uh, Before we talk about boats, which I will be talking about boats, uh, I wanted to tell you a story about my dogs first, right, because that makes sense. Uh, so, so you need to know this before I tell you a story about my dogs. Like, I take pictures and tell stories about my dogs, like most people take pictures and tell stories about their kids, okay? So there's kind of that going on, and just so there isn't any confusion, I definitely think dogs are better than babies, all right? I just want to throw that out there. No offense. Well, actually, that was, I did offend you, but I'm sorry. Um, so since, since my dogs and I are so tight, I have two dogs. Since we're so tight, we like to do everything together as much as we possibly can. I want to I show you what my dogs look like. So we have pictures. Yeah, there's my dogs. The, this one here with the tongue, that's Kula. She's living the good life by a waterfall. And then this one over here, that's, that's Maya. Her ears are currently blown back in the anticipation of adventure that awaits her. Uh, so those are, those are my dogs, and, and we, we do everything together. Like I said, we, we like to hang out, and one of our favorite things to do is to go for runs together. The, the three of us, we go out on, on runs. But on one particular day a few months ago, I, I thought I might be better off running on my own. 
flying solo. You know, like my pace was going to be too fast today. I was starting to feel it. I was going to kind of let loose and I didn't need my dogs bringing me down, right? So I was going to leave them behind as I went on my run. So I ditched my running companions and I set out on this run all on my own. Kula and Maya, my, my two dogs, they were left behind, right? Forlorn, sad, devastated, deserted. And, and my wife, Kate, she was actually at home with the two dogs while I was off running. And so uh, upon returning home from that run in which I ran so fast and so far that they couldn't have kept up, uh, she tells me that the dogs had waited at the window the entire time I was away. They were looking outside, simply heartbroken, the whole time I was gone, just waiting and waiting. They were certain that they had been forgotten and neglected. They knew deep in their puppy hearts right, that I was choosing something, in this case, running by myself, over them. They, they knew that. But here's what's so special about Kula and Maya. And here's what separates them from babies and kids, by the way, too. Uh, upon returning home, Upon returning home, right, right when I walked in the door from this run in which I had not invited them to participate, when I returned home from deserting them and placing them on the back burner, I was lavished with love. Like, you know the kind of love, right? Like licks and kisses and wags that were saying things like, we thought you had forgotten us. We thought you would never come back. We are so glad that the three of us are reunited again. Please don't ever leave us with mom for that long again. Like, those are all the things that they were, they were saying with their doggy expressions. And so, it might sound cheesy, and, and really, I'm certain that this sounds cheesy. But, but their love for me in that moment was unconditional, and it was forgiving, and it was welcoming. Right? Their, their love for me was obvious. They weren't about to abandon me like I had just abandoned them. It wasn't like when I opened the door, they were like, out the door, not running without you either. And they were gone. No, that was not what they were doing. They, they, they loved me in that moment. And, and just so you know, I never, ever leave for a run without them ever again. And, and, and I kind of, that, that story reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. You can find that in Luke, and you can go read that later. I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail. But, but it got me thinking about some things. And so you're probably wondering, okay, what does that have to do with anything, let alone me in this boat you were sitting in, right? What's going on there? And so before I tie all that together, I, I just have a couple questions that I want us to be, to be thinking about that I want to ask you in terms of running off on our own, running off alone. Like where, where do we run to? Where do we turn to? Where do we go when our lives maybe get a little, a little hard or a little frustrating or a little bit confusing? Maybe in that moment we, we start running to more money or more, more things or, or more fun. Maybe we turn to something simple and it's like our, our appearance. And so maybe we, we turn to getting a, a tan or, or passing the blame or tearing someone down with us. Or maybe you're thinking like, Chris, you're making that awfully extreme. My life is not at all like that right now. It's summertime. Like, it's relaxing. We're just chilling. And so if that's you, like, where, where do you then turn maybe for fun or recognition or memories? Right? Maybe, maybe in those moments you turn to another party or another drink or another outfit or another trip. Or maybe you just choose to, to live all fancy free and you start to, to neglect all of your meaningful relationships. Maybe even your relationship with God himself. 
Or maybe when we're running around in this world, right, trying to figure out our lives, we start turning to something like a bigger house or a better car or a better job or more money or some more friends, which would maybe bring us some more popularity or maybe we just need one more relationship. And all of that begins to serve as our definitions of hope or success or purpose or fulfillment. And we start to see it over and over again. And if we're all honest with ourselves, and, and hopefully you, like, you can go to church and be honest with yourself, right? That, that's probably all of us, myself included, at some point or another, off running to or turning to something else to satisfy us. And, and that's what we think is going to happen. We run after something we think or hope is going to satisfy us. And we're a lot like me when I set out on my run without my dogs. We think we can do it on our own. We think we can figure it out on our own. We, we, we think that we are going to be better off when we have it under control. And in, in that story, my dogs, let's say they represent God and his unending, incomprehensible love. Because we know in the deepest parts of our soul, when we know it, that God will fulfill us and he will make us whole and he'll lead us on and he'll be the hope that we were looking for, yet we still go out running in the opposite direction with all these phony illusions of what we think will make us complete or happy or whole, only to find that the real thing, right, God himself is waiting at home, just like my dogs at the window, waiting at home for us, longing to lavish us with love and to welcome us back like arms open wide, but we all get caught up in running to something other than the God who loves us. Especially, right, when those storms in our lives start to rage all around us, when we start to feel that coming in on us. But the heart of God is one that's continuously calling us back over and over again, and he'll never leave us out in those storms to drown. But don't take my word for it. I want to look at the character of God through his son, Jesus, and this is where we're going to get to the boat. We're going to have Jesus on a boat and disciples on a boat. It's going to be totally nautical. I mean, radical. That's a boat joke. If you didn't get that boat joke, sorry. I'm going to use it all I want. Let's turn to Matthew 8 here. Matthew 8. We're going to start in verse 23, and what we're going to see here is we're going to find Jesus and his disciples acting totally nautical on a boat, all right? And so here's where it starts, Matthew 8, 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. I think we need to just stop there for a second, And, and apparently... When we read that, storms don't worry Jesus, right? Like, he's not worried. We have to keep that in mind as we face different storms in our life. Like, Jesus is not worried. He's sleeping, right? The waves are crashing into the boat, and he's sleeping. Just, it's not something that worries Jesus. And so it goes on to say, the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown, and now if you, if you do have kids and you've ever been sleeping finally, right, you're, you're, you're sleeping and then they come into the room and they, they start shouting. That is not how you like to be woken up, is it? Right, with sudden shouts 
It's not. And so here's Jesus sleeping finally, right? And here come the disciples shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Like you can just sense the panic, right? There, there's so much panic in their voice. And I think that we do that too. When something's going wrong in our life, we start to panic. We start to panic. But again, Jesus isn't worried. And here's his response. He says, why are you afraid? I, he might not have used that tone. They had just woken him up from sleeping by shouting at him. And he says, you have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and waves obey him. And now upon first read, when we first look at that, that, that section there, we're like, hold on. Nobody says that. Nobody rebukes the wind and the waves. And if you know someone who does, I'm guessing the wind and waves rarely listen to them. Right, like that's not something that happens all the time. So we have to ask the question, like, what's going on here? Right, because it, it reads well. It's a cool story. It's pretty wild. But what's going on here? And so obviously I think that we can all find application in the midst of this because we all face storms. Life is absolutely full of them. But before we get there and, and that application and risk, what I think is overgeneralizing the power of Jesus, it's important to acknowledge a few things about this particular boating adventure. All right, before we overgeneralize, here's, here's what's going on. Right, these disciples who were in the boat, right, they were Jesus' chosen 12. Like he had picked them out, and among those 12, there were many experienced, practiced fishermen. All right, like there were guys who knew how to handle the boat, they knew how to handle the sea, and they knew how to handle the storm. I think a common misconception when we read this section of scripture is to think that that these disciples were just like bumbling rookie boaters who set out in some storm on the boat. Go to sleep, Jesus. Not a big deal. Just a storm. Here we go. Like, no, that's not what happened. That's false. And that's especially false because they would have been totally familiar with this lake, which is known as the Sea of Galilee. All right, now the Sea of Galilee, the setting that this miracle took place on, is actually known for its sudden and violent storms. It's kind of like this, this short, stocky sea, and it's like the second deepest lake or sea or whatever in the world. Like, so it, it's got these hills around it, and these storms, they come in quickly, all of a sudden, all the time. And I'm, I don't mean like a little breeze right on your face, like 20-foot waves crashing into the boat type of storms. And and so these disciples, they were aware of that and they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And this is what they probably thought. They probably figured they just had things under control. They had things under control and they were like, Jesus, you can sleep. We've got this. And that's an interesting correlation, I think. Like, don't, don't we do the same thing? We start to assume that we have things in our life under control, right? Well, we'll say things like, I could totally stop cheating if I want to. I can stop spending if I need to. I can look at this or I can give in to that. I've got the whole situation under control. Like, or maybe, maybe we're just going through life maintaining the status quo. Like, like we're, we're a little bit afraid of, of giving up control and living by faith And so we just go through the motions over and over again because that's so much safer and that's so much easier if we just go through the motions. But then the storm hits. Then the storm hits. 
and things start crashing in on us in our lives with the force of a 20-foot wave. And all of a sudden, we're kind of like the disciples in the boat now. Like we, we, we thought we knew what we were doing. We thought we had this under control, but now it's all a mess. It's all a mess, and we have a choice. Do we call out to Jesus, the only one who can save us, or do we still think that we know best? Right? And you, you remember what the disciples did, those closest to Jesus, those who knew him the best. Like, what did they do when the storm started to crush them? They shouted, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And you'll notice that the, the moment that Jesus intervened was the moment that they called out his name. Right, here comes the storm, and the moment that Jesus intervened was the moment that they called on his name. And you know what? Jesus wasn't worried. He had it all under control. Who are we calling out to? What are we calling out to? Where are we turning? What are, what are we running to? Are we calling on his name? And then a few, a few chapters later now in the book of Matthew, we're, we're going to end up in, in Matthew 14, and we're going to find another nautical incident that happens on the Sea of Galilee. I still think that joke's funny, just so you know. I don't care if you don't think it's funny. It's a nautic, nautically awesome joke. And so we're going to check it out in Matthew 14, and we're going to start in verse 22. So let's check this out together. It says, immediately after this, I'm going to stop us there, this is important to know about. This is just the ho-hum miracle of feeding 5,000 people. Right, that's what this is. Like immediately after that, you know, when you fed 5,000 people. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, which they probably didn't want to do because six chapters later they got stuck in a storm, and crossed to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Those were the people that he had just fed. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And, and again, I want to stop there because I just want us to note the importance that Jesus puts on spending time alone with God. Like I'm thinking that if Jesus makes it a priority, we should probably make it a priority too. But there's also this, and as we'll soon find out, that's a good way to prepare for the storms that are undoubtedly on the horizon to be spending some time alone with God. So here's what happens. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Big surprise, right? Seems like they're always doing that. For, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And to that we can now say, with our new knowledge, typical Sea of Galilee, right? We can just, typical Sea of Galilee, of course, they were fighting heavy waves. And so then at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, as would you be. You're in a storm at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you see someone walking on their water, and their response is probably similar to what ours would be. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. And they don't mean the Holy Ghost, right? They're a little frightened there. It's a ghost coming at them on the water. What's going on here? Here's what happens. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And again, we see a theme, right? Jesus is not worried. 
He's taking a stroll out on the water in the middle of a storm. He's like, guys, chill out. I got this. I got this, right? And, and we notice that he immediately says it. And at once, Jesus is on the scene and things begin to change. He says, take courage, right? So Peter takes him up on that offer. As Peter often does take Jesus up on his offers, it says, then Peter called out to him, probably with all kinds of courage, right? Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And again, nobody says that. Nobody invites us to walk on the water with them. Right? That doesn't happen. And so here's what happened. Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Right? If we just paused it right there, that's pretty crazy. Now two people are walking on the water. Right? Here's what's going on now. Now it could be like nobody does that. And here's what happens. But when he saw, talking about Peter, the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Right? Obviously, when, when Peter's attention is focused on Jesus, he's cruising. Right? He's out on the water. He's, he's doing it. Boom, here comes some storm. Here comes some waves. Immediately, he diverts his attention. And what happens when he diverts his eyes from Jesus? Boom, he starts to go down. But Peter is still no fool. We might be like, Peter, you totally ruined that. Everybody could have been walking on the water. But here, here's what Peter did. He had learned from his previous experience. As soon as he starts to sink, he says, save me, Lord. Right, he's going down. Save me, Lord. He calls on the name of Jesus. And what happened? Jesus immediately, immediately reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Right, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Again, he calmed another storm. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And all of this, these two stories, it really seems to beg the question, at least in my mind, are we supposed to stay in the boat or are we supposed to get out of the boat? Like that was kind of confusing to me. Which one is it? Are we supposed to stay in? Are we supposed to get out? And really, it wasn't as confusing as I originally thought. Like, all you're supposed to do, just go wherever Jesus is. Just go wherever Jesus is. Because whenever we see someone go to Jesus throughout the Gospels, we see someone who immediately will find healing or faith or life or fulfillment or meaning or purpose or reconciliation. And whenever we see someone choose the other direction that goes to Jesus, they're going the opposite direction. They set out on their own. We find, as it says in Matthew 7, that, that the road is wide because many choose it. And the road in the opposite direction of Jesus leads to destruction. And so if you're ever unsure of what to do or where to go or where to find your worth or to figure out what your life is all about, just go wherever Jesus is. Just go where he is. That might mean a bunch of different things. It might mean you stay in the boat with great faith. right? Maybe, maybe you stay there and, and you trust that he's going to control the storm, whatever storm it is you're facing. Or it might mean that you have to step out of the boat you're in with great courage because Jesus has something better for you. If only you'd believe, if only you'd trust him, if only you would leave what was so comfortable to you. Or maybe, maybe you need to leave a job 
right? A job that's just been tearing you down. And, and, and you need to ask God to give you the courage to, to move on. Right? Or, or maybe you need to ask God to give you the courage to stay in that job and do it for his glory. Right? Maybe, maybe you're at a place where you need to start to trust God with your finances and just have faith that he'll provide. Or maybe you need to step out and begin giving with cheerful generosity. Right? Or maybe... Maybe you just need to relinquish control. You need to just let it go to an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving Savior. Because the truth of the matter is that none of you can do it on your own. None of us can do it on our own. But you know what's so great? Jesus isn't worried. He just wants us to call out to him with all the honesty that we can muster and say, Lord, save us. I am going to drown without you. Lord, save us. And just like my dogs welcome me back, like take a picture of that. I think we can envision that. And then take that love and multiply it by infinity, which I don't think is possible to do mathematically, but try it. And then you will start to catch a glimpse of the love that God has for you. When you call on his name, his, his grace-filled love is big enough for any storm you'll ever face, and it's big enough to set you free from any storm you've already faced. Jesus simply longs to be with you. So what's keeping you then in, in any area of your life, whether it's big or small, whether it feels like a storm or it's just beginning, what's keeping you from staying with him in faith or stepping out to him in courage. What's keeping you from calling on his name? And as we maybe just kind of let that settle on our hearts and we wrestle with what that might mean for our lives, uh, I want to make us aware of one more powerful truth within these boating adventures with Jesus. It it was something that I kind of came to at the end of of studying these passages. It was like almost like an aha moment and I want us to realize that on both occasions, right, the, the staying in the boat and the getting out of the boat, on both occasions, the hearts of the disciples who were with Jesus became hearts that not only relinquished control to Jesus, but deeper still, their hearts became hearts that worshipped. Their hearts became hearts that worshipped. Their only response to such a savior as Jesus was to worship the one who had proven again and again that he is in fact all-powerful and all-loving at the same time. And whenever we go wherever Jesus is, we will experience his grace and his power and his love and we will be so transformed that our only response will be to worship him to exclaim that he is the son of God, to stand in awe, in amazement, to cry out in praise, right? For this man who calms the waves and the wind, who walks on water, is the same man who took the weight of our sin on his shoulders to set us free. Like he's the same man who invites us to follow him so that we can find our life. 
like Jesus at the same time. He's just equally unfathomably lovable and unfathomably powerful all at the same time. And he's choosing us to be his sons and his daughters. And he's saying, just call on my name. Just call out to me. And, And I want us just to imagine that for a second. Imagine if all of us in this room right now, where we're in that place where we were calling on his name, where our hearts were hearts that were turned to worshiping him. Imagine if all of us were worshiping Jesus, because as it says in Ephesians 3, it says, all glory to God who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He is not worried about whatever storm you're facing. And he is always able. Always. Go ahead right now and, and let's put our things aside and, I, and maybe just find a position uh, of prayer. And what I, what I want us to do is I want us to create a moment for ourselves right now. Right, like a, a holy moment between you and God where you have an opportunity to worship our Savior Jesus. And in in this moment right now, thank him, praise him, give him control, cry out to him, worship him, do whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is urging you to do right now as you take this time between you and God to worship him. Go ahead and do that and I'll close this here in a moment. taking this time right now between you and God, I want to take a moment to talk to any, anybody who might be in this room this morning who hasn't called out to Jesus, who hasn't said, God, I am all in. I want to follow you with everything I've got because you might, you might be here this morning and you might be in the middle of a storm. The waves might be currently crashing in on you from every side and Jesus is inviting you just call out to me or or maybe you're here this morning and you've just been living in the mundane going through the motions over and over again lacking the meaning and purpose that Jesus brings to your life and so if you're here this morning and and that's that's you you want to take that next step you want to put the stake in the ground this morning that says Jesus I'm all in I'm coming after you I'm going to follow you here's my life like if you're here this morning and you're saying God I just cannot do this on my own anymore you're saying God I give you control would you come and rescue me from whatever I'm in right now I know that I've sinned. I know that I've done things wrong. God, would you just forgive me? Thank you for your son, Jesus, who sets us free. His death on the cross, his resurrection. I cannot even begin to fathom, God, how powerful you are. Today I give you control. 
And if you're here this morning and that's what you're saying, I want you to know nothing you will ever do in your life will carry as much weight as handing over your heart to God. And so it's such a big deal that we just ask you to share that with us. Again, people are are in their own moments right now, but if you'd be so bold as to just slip your hand up and make eye contact with me, that would be you again putting that stake in the ground saying, yeah, Jesus, I'm all in. So if that's you, you can go ahead and do that now. Yeah, I see you back there. It's immediate, right? As soon as you call out to Jesus, he is there. God, we just praise you for being a God who would send your son Jesus to die for us. That you are a God who hears us when we call, who hears us when we cry out. I pray that you would give us great faith and great courage as we leave this place this morning and that when we go out into our lives and we live in the world that that we would live for you that we would go wherever you are, Jesus. That we would trust you and believe that it's worth it. We know it's not always going to be easy, but at the end of the day, God, it is always going to be worth it. That faith in our hearts, let it rest in our souls, God. We love you. Pray that you would give us hearts that continually every day worship you. We do this all for you. In your name we pray.